Welcome to Strength for the Journey from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau. Today's sermon reveals a bit about the character of one of Jesus' disciples, a bit more about our 547 project, and how the two are very much related. Our scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 45. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with the sermon, Ambition of the Vine. Once again, the disciples don't get it. James and John, what are you thinking? In a previous chapter, two things happened. Remember? First, the disciples didn't get it about how Jesus always wanted to have children to have access to him. And then second, incredibly, the disciples were arguing among themselves who would be the greatest. And now again in this chapter, the disciples, James and John, asked Jesus if they could please sit on his right and his left, the positions of prominence when Jesus goes to heaven, since he just told them he was going to die. No empathy from them. Even after, cho- to- even after Jesus told them he was going to be scourged and beaten and killed on a cross, they only wanted to know that after he was tortured and killed, could they pretty please be in the highest seats of prominence and seen as the greatest? That's like crazy horrible. The Bible says that James and John's nickname was the Sons of Thunder. Why were they called that? Probably because they would speak before thinking. Probably because they were loud and boisterous and obnoxious, so much so that people would say, oh, great, you know who's coming? James and John, the sons of thunder. We can certainly see that John especially is struggling with his lack of humility. Why? It was this John that was extremely competitive. First, Four times he referred to himself in the gospel that he wrote, the gospel of John, as the one whom Jesus loved. Really, John, you had to set yourself apart from others as the one whom Jesus really loved? Then get this. John had to put in his gospel that he was a faster runner than Peter. So read this verse about what happened right after the death of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, John refers to himself as the other disciple. Hear this. So she, meaning Mary Magdalene, ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, who is John, the one whom Jesus loved, God had put that in, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter... And the other disciple, who is John, set out and went towards the tomb. Here comes the good part. The two were running together, but the other disciple, who is John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Really, John, did you have to put in that you were faster? Why not say, Peter and I ran to the tomb? But no, you had to say, you ran faster than Peter. And what makes this verse even more incredible is when we read the very last chapter and verse of the gospel that John wrote, and it says this, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and has written them, and we know that his testimony is true. 
But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Wait a minute. John is telling us that there are so many things, far too numerous, to mention everything that Jesus did that he could not write them down, but he somehow made room in his gospel to tell us that he was a faster sprinter than Peter. Really, John, John's ambition was to make himself look good, and it seeped into his historical writing. But then, as he got older, he was reportedly banished to the island of Patmos. Desolate, I've been there. And there he got wiser and saw that competition is not the best way but rather cooperation and love and to serve God for his sake and not John's sake. One shouldn't use Jesus to make us look good and prominent. In a letter he wrote to the churches, John's tone of it being all about him changed to being all about God's love and loving others. He wrote this, Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. One of my favorite verses, God is love. John finally seemed to get it as he got older. His ambition changed from himself towards people and the things of Christ. Here's the spiritual truth. The more we know God, the more we know Jesus, our hearts expand with love. It becomes less about us. We will love people and animals and God's creation of nature even more. The older I get in faith, the more my heart enlarges. I have a greater desire to share the love of Jesus with other people. I see the precious role and life of animals. I see our responsibility for creation care. I have a greater heart for the utterly poor, the homeless, and the incarcerated, and for evangelism. And as our church and faith matures, our ambitions transform. And we see how we must expand and reach out to more, uh, more to those in need spiritually, emotionally, and physically. As we sang in one of the songs today, to reach the, the homeless to the famous and in between. Hopefully, our hearts enlarge as we mature in the faith. And this is part of the reason, as you heard last week, of why we're going to start a new satellite campus in Kaka'ako, where we will, we will have more opportunity for worship services, reaching the unchurched, reaching the young families flocking to live there in the new condominiums and apartments, reaching the elderly and the senior citizens' homes there, those in transitional housing, those without homes, and other folks in need in the area. As we get to know Jesus more, our hearts expand. It becomes more about God and less about us. Meanwhile, here at the Ko'olau campus, worship and discipleship will remain strong and dynamic. But there comes a time 
when we extend our borders and be more involved in helping to renew the city. As you heard last week, the site we have chosen is 547 Halekawila Street, a block um, diamond head of Punchbowl Street. It needs to be remodeled before our church can move in and use it. It will cost $547,000 for the construction, furnishing of a simple cafe, and the worship and the ministry areas, the sound and the light equipment, the first year's expenses of ministry. Hence, we started the 547 Project, which is an appeal to raise $547,000, which is the cost to move into 547 Halekawila. Aren't you glad the address wasn't 999 Halekawila? Or else we would be raising 999,000 today. We are hoping all of us in the church can contribute to this amount by November 22nd, Thanksgiving Day, before the construction begins in um, December. And the goal is to give out of our thanksgiving to God with the hope of reaching others for him. And... Um, and we always had already had to write some pretty big checks to start securing things. So hopefully by now, you have received an email or a packet in snail mail with an FAQ sheet and an envelope for this cause and mission. And we are asking you to pray. Just pray right now for the 547 Project at 547 Halekawila. And hopefully contribute that we might have 547,000 to expand our hearts in the city of Honolulu. Now, last year or rather last Sunday, I gave a sermon giving more details about the vision for this campus. And if you missed it, please go to listen or read or watch it on our website or church app. If you didn't get the information packet or email and you're kind of interested or intrigued about this, then please drop by the 547 information table in Fellowship Hall or the hospitality table or the uh, reception desk after the service. In fact, we have two informational meetings every Sunday morning until November 18, so check the bulletin for the times. We also have walking tours of the satellite campus and the area nearby for those who are interested to see it before we start renovations and see why it's so strategic. The site, by the way, is just three blocks away from Logos Christian Bookstore, the only bookstore we have in town that's Christian. And I neglected to say last week that while First Pres will have all of the downstairs and two upper rooms up on the left, right next door, the two upper rooms on the right will be the new office for Hawaiian Islands Ministries. Uh, him is moving out of Manoa, the, the lease is ending, and the rent is cheaper in Kaka'ako. So Kaka'ako is an area that is rich in Hawaiian Christian history as Kawaiha'o Church is nearby and uh, the mission houses and Iolani Palace, the former home of our Christian queen, Queen Liliokalani. Now, one thing I did not share last week or uh, nor the FAQs explain in great detail is what is the new name uh, of our church satellite and what are we going to call this? The name will actually give the depth of the meaning of our vision and our love for Jesus. It will be biblical and Christ-centered and relevant. Now, some, more than one, have recommended that we call it First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu uh, in Kaneohe and in Ko'olau and now also in Kaka'ako. That would be slightly confusing. 
So remember, a big goal of this satellite is that we want to reach the unchurched people and not take people from other churches. So unchurched people don't care about denominations. They would never choose a church because, oh, it's First Presbyterian Church. They don't care. They, they don't care for Presbyterian. They don't know, know what it means. And, and like many, maybe you, they don't know how to spell it. I was once walking, true story, near the waterfall in the other wing, and at the same time a wedding reception was happening, and a young couple was in front of the glass cases that show kind of the history of our church, and I came up behind them to kind of listen to what they were talking about, and, and they didn't know I was standing there, and they turned to each other, and the woman says, this place is Presbyterian. Do you think they're Christian? Most people have no idea what Presbyterians are, especially Hawaii people in a state where there are only like five Presbyterian churches and only two speak English. Look at the word Presbyterians. It comes from the Greek word presbyteros, as you all knew, which means elder in Greek. Um, what many of you may not know is that if you scramble the letters of the word Presbyterians, it actually spells something else. True story. Try it. When you go home, you scramble it, and it comes up to this. <laughs> Backward masking. St. Brittany. Because she spells Brittany differently, so it works out. Actually, if you scramble the letters of the word Presbyterian, it also spells this instead. Ta-da! But since we're so humble, like James and John, we don't talk about that. In the Gospel of John, we read the words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. So what name will be biblical, Christ-centered, contemporary, forward-looking, but not faddish, that would be all about Jesus? We want the name to have symbolic metaphor possibilities. So the elders and I and the staff have chosen this name. The new satellite campus will be known as The Vine. Why the name The Vine? First of all, you should know it's really hard to choose a name that will last over the years and not be trendy or faddish just a few years. We want it to be biblical. We want it to be centered on Jesus. It has to be about Jesus. So early on, we thought of the seven I am statements of Jesus in, guess where, the Gospel of the Disciple John where Jesus described himself. He was trying to explain what he's like. He said, I am the gate. I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread. I am the light. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then we came to this passage written in the gospel, John. And these were not the words of John, but the words of Jesus himself, where he said, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. If you have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you, abide in me as I abide in you. And just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, or another word, remains in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide or remain in me. I am the vine. You 
are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not remain or abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. There it was, a strong name, a Jesus-centered name, a name that calls us to live for him, be near to him, abide in him, remain in him. I am the vine, you are the branches. The new campus will be called the vine. Our going to Kaka'ako is like a vine reaching out to downtown, but it will be centered on the true vine, our Lord Jesus. We are the branches. We are setting up, so to speak, another branch of our church, not a separate church. This is not a church plant, but a satellite campus that is part of us here at Ko'olau, connected, Ko'olau, Kaka'ako, connected, to give great strength to one another. As David Chang tells me after he read this great book um, by Margaret Feinberg, that she said that early in American wine making, vintners realized that to get high quality wine, they needed to use European uh, varietals. However, the foreign vines were vulnerable to adverse soil conditions in the local soil. So they grafted the European vines onto American rootstock. This made American vineyards competitive. Later on in history, European vineyards were hit with a devastating storm, a devastating blight, and the only thing that saved them was to import American rootstock and graft the European vines into them. This saved the European wine industry, and virtually every vineyard in Europe has hybrid vines that is, American rootstock and European together. So you think, okay, so like, what's the point, Dan? We're going to have to, or we're going to take what we have at Ko'olau and create a new hybrid in Kaka'ako, combining the strength and DNA of Ko'olau, but it will have the rootstock of Halekawila. Same a little, different a little. And both campuses will be strong and thriving and sturdy for the storms to come, giving life to each other. Do we have hope? Um, do we hope to have small groups emanating out of there? Yes, like cluster groups, so to speak, rooted groups. Heck, our senior adult ministry is already called vintage. Those who have matured like fine wine and the best taste is yet to come. The biblical significance of the vine is deep and rich, and this points to the vision of this satellite, the sign of the promised land. What is it in the Old Testament? It was a branch with a single cluster of grapes so big that two men had to carry it on a pole. The sign of the first miracle of Jesus was what? Changing water into wine. The, the sign of the sacrament of the communion is that the wine represents the blood of Jesus. The sign of the kingdom of God in the Bible is a vineyard. The sign of the Messiah is that he's the son of the vineyard owner, meaning God the Father. Is it not interesting that all throughout the Gospels, Jesus refers to the kingdom of God as a vineyard? 
locally. Is it not interesting that this satellite campus is about four blocks from a street called Vineyard Boulevard, where there was once a vineyard during the time of our monarchy in the early 19th century, planted by a Spaniard, Don Francisco de Paula Barin. Stay with me. This is good. Locally, we have such beautiful images of the vine that represents Hawaii, like the vine of the Miley, which we often wear as lei, don't we, for special occasions. 547 Halekawila is like a trellis where the vine of Christ will be supported and thrive. And people can cling to us for support to give them health, maybe direction, stability, and then later be equipped to go out and serve other people. You know, I hear my local friends saying about our church, hey, brah, tonight, you like go to vine? And then the other guy says, hey, amen, I hear it simply the vine. <laughs> Actually, a core value of our church is if you're a Punahou alumnus, you don't say pigeon. They will say about our new church that they heard it through the grapevine. (laughs) Like good wine from grapes on the vine, we hope as we mature in Christ that we get better and fuller in taste. And through the Holy Spirit, what does Scripture say? We can receive the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. The Lord wants us to bear much fruit, but by, by, by abiding in him, being connected like a vine to the vine, we will be stronger and have the fruit of the spirit. And for as Jesus says, then our joy will be complete. Abide or remain is the key word. Can we all be grafted in our Lord and abide or remain in him and he in us? Hopefully, first prayers has been good for our spiritual growth. In our January survey of our congregation, uh, which we do the last five years every January, 82% said this church really helps them abide or engage with God. That's great. But now we come home to the crux of the sermon. As we engage with God and get to know him, what do we do with that? For James and John, their relationship with Jesus was initially to promote themselves, use Jesus to make us look good. They wanted glory and fame for themselves. They wanted to be seated at the right and the left hand of Jesus. They were using Jesus for themselves, for their ambition. That was their ambition. But for us at First Press, our ambition should be to give glory, give the glory of Christ to, to give Christ's glory, to reflect his greatness and worship him and to spread his love and help to others in his name. Our ambition should be to do whatever he asks. Our ambition is to follow his great commission that he told us just before he left this earth when he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the new commandments that I've given you. And to be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
or as it says in the message paraphrase written by the late Eugene Peters, Peterson, he said, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in the way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day right up to the end of the age. That should always be our ambition, not glory for ourselves. We live for him who is with us day after day, and our time and our talent and treasure is for him. In Shakespeare, you hear the famous battle cry in Henry V of, cry God for Harry, England, and St. George. And for the Chronicles of Narnia, it was for Aslan. And more recently, in Black Panther, Wakanda forever. But what about us? What is our battle cry? For Ko'olau and for when we start 547 Halekoila, it is a deep, deep loyalty and love of Jesus that we want to introduce and train new followers loyal to him. So our ambitious cry is for Jesus forever. Or maybe, as we said last week, go for broke. And when we ask you to contribute to the 547 project, you give to Christ himself, who sacrificed greatly, greatly for you and me. Our ambition is to honor him and do what he commanded us to do in the Great Commission because he is the vine and we are the branches. So as the elders and deacons prepare for communion, In our Bibles today, we were reminded in this sacrament of what the disciples were told by Jesus about his sacrificial love for us. Jesus said, and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, kill him, and three days later he will rise. James and John at first didn't get it. But then they realized after the resurrection, Jesus was actually the son of God. Now their ambition was turned from their own selfish desire for power and status, and instead they went for broke, giving their all for Jesus. So today is really a gut check for us. What is really our ambition on this earth? Is it all about you? Knowing that Jesus was saturated with pain for our sake, is our ambition to use Jesus for our benefit or is our ambition to live for and abide in him for Jesus forever? You know, James got it and he was killed for his faith. John was supposedly banished to the island of Patmos for his allegiance to Jesus. For the two of them, their ambition for themselves had been transformed to an ambition for Jesus Christ, the one and true vine. Because Jesus is God, he's fully God, who came to this earth in the form of a man. And while here, he stood with us. His favorite name for him, you'll notice in the Bible, was Son of Man. He was trying to say, I connect with you all. I'm one of you, but I'm also fully God. And he wanted to be our best friend. And as he told his disciples, he was going to go to a cross and for our sake and be beaten and scourged and spat upon, mocked, 
pierced by thorns and then by nails. Now here's the deal. When we hear that, and we hear this often because every month we do communion, we can just like, okay, I know the story, and just kind of easily dismiss it. But I want you, before we do communion today, really imagine what that was like for Jesus to be crucified. He was screaming at the top of his lungs in pain and despair as you would be. He was drenched with sweat. His cries were horrible. It would send chills up our spine as nails were hammered into his wrists and into his ankles. Don't lose that picture. For it's in that context when we know that he died for us that we need to determine what is our ambition. Is it for his cause? Are we just going to use him for ourselves? And so as we take communion, on the night he was betrayed, before all of this whipping and punching and blindfolding and then crucifixion, he knew what was coming. And so he was with his friends, the disciples in an upper room. This was like one of the last times he could talk to them. And he picked up a piece of unleavened bread similar to this in a Passover meal. And after giving thanks, he then blessed it and then he broke it. And it was his way to remind him, I'm going to be killed soon. I'm going to be torn apart like this bread. And bread is a staple. Take it off and please remember this. Some 2,000 years later, please remember it. Every time you eat this bread, do so in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he picked up a cup. And it symbolized, the wine symbolized the blood he shed for us. And we shouldn't take that lightly. He said, every time you drink of this cup, will you do this in remembrance of me? And the good news is that for every sin we have committed, every sin we are doing and will do, he's saying, my sacrifice, the way it works in the laws of the universe, some innocent person has to die and then it will be covered. And I, as God, I don't have to do this, but I, as God, am choosing to do this for you that all your sins will be forgiven. And if you follow me, you can be in heaven with me forever. And just before the final blessing, I wanted to remind you all, invite you for prayer. And if anyone would like prayer after the last song, to please come up in front of the cross and in front of the choir risers. And our prayer team will be there to confidentially listen to your situation and pray for you, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual. Pray for God's healing and comfort and strength. And, uh, and now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and its countenance be on you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may you abide in our Lord forever. In Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Our ambitions in the Christian realm should not be about our stature. Our ambitions should be about honoring God and building His kingdom. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the brand new First Prez app. 
Watch First Pres Sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Strength for the Journey is copyright 2018 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.